and welcome to the Healthy Habits, Happy Homes podcast hosted by the Guelph Family Health Study. If you're interested in the most recent research and helpful tips for a healthy, balanced living for you and your family, then this podcast is for you. In each episode, we'll bring you topics that are important to your growing family and guests who will share their expertise and experience with you. Our quick tips will help your family build healthy habits for a happy home. Hello, and welcome back to the Healthy Habits, Happy Homes podcast. I'm Lisa Tang. And I'm Sabrina Douglas. And this week on the podcast, we're talking all about picky eating with our colleague, Mode and her husband, Sarthak. Thank you for joining us today. Why don't we start off with you both introducing yourselves to the listeners? Thanks for having us. Very pleased to be here. So we're Mold and Sarthak. I guess, first and foremost, we're a couple in real life. Yeah. <laughs> we're a family, so we are also parents of James, who's three and a half, and then we have a private practice, a business together that uh, we serve parents, helping them feed their children, so we work with families, and then we also share a passion for research, science, specifically nutrition. That's right. Um, So I'm a dietitian, and Sartak is almost one, working towards it. (laughs) Uh, yes, I, I, although I am a nutrition scientist, I am studying to become a registered dietitian right now. And uh, it's been very exciting working with Moda on our business together and helping families. Very rewarding and a great learning experience. Great. Thank you for sharing that. We were interested to know a little bit about what got you interested in helping other parents uh, with feeding children. Well, so for myself, my training and, and exposure prior to this life, if you will, was um, more in, in um, sports nutrition and in weight management. And, you know, I worked in the dietary supplement industry. And, uh, you know, I guess I knew some stuff. But when I became a, a parent, I I definitely didn't really know what I was doing in terms of feeding my my son, James. And I think having, having Mode, who's, you know, an expert in this area and trained in this area, it was easy to kind of default to her and let her kind of lead the way. But, you know, as it turns out that that's quite a classic narrative, as we've seen with um, a lot of the families that we work with, um, where it's it's often up to the mom to kind of figure things out, lead the way, troubleshoot. And in that process, the dads are often directed on how to participate. But for me, that when I took some of my own initiative to learn about feeding my son, especially when we were kind of at that six month intro to solid stage, I really realized that um well, dads and fathers are not really captured well in in, um, in terms of services that are offered, in terms of how um, the language that's used towards parents. It's very mom centric. I find that a bit troubling because it's not just about the dads themselves not being kind of leaders or taking initiative, but it's sort of the system as a whole that's really kind of um, shifted towards being mom centric. And so you know, I wanted to do my part to kind of help change that and help kind of have a voice for fathers. And and it's not just about fathers, it's about the family as a whole. And so that's where it's really, um, it can be complicated at times. It can be also entertaining and fun and it's it's really rewarding. And so working with Mode together on our on our business has been a great way to kind of kind of encompass all of that in one. Yeah, I agree. And like I've been a dietitian for 10 years now, mostly in research. And I wanted to do clinical care to connect with parents and have that kind of reward and satisfaction of seeing, you know, the impact that you can have on people's life. And I feel like that is 
my day-to-day with parents in my private practice, which is maybe a bit more difficult to achieve in research, although both are super important, obviously, because you want to have the best evidence to do the best recommendation, but you also want the parents to be able to use that, learn about it, and then know how to make it happen in their home. So that was kind of also what brought the the business idea and the private practice to kind of complement the research aspects of our lives. So. Thank you both for sharing your perspectives on that and your journey into um, what's kind of motivated you and helping other families with feeding their children. And we definitely appreciate having both of you here to have both the mother's and the father's perspective. So we wanted to ask you both what your thoughts are on the word picky eating, because we know it's used a lot and um, many people have different feelings about it. Yeah. So... (laughs) First of all, picky eating is the term that parents use. So we do believe in the importance of using the language that they use to kind of, you know, connect with them and so that they feel heard and also that they kind of approach you, right, to kind of tackle that, which is a big um, challenge in their life. But I always like to say that, you know, picky eating is really children learning to eat. And although picky eating makes it all focus on the child, with every kid that is learning to eat, there's a parent or parents, a family that's learning to feed. And that's just as important. So I do always talk about that with my clients and families, because I think it's important to focus on the children, but the parents are just as important in the families. So they should also get the support that they need. And, you know, these are learned skills, right? It's not you're born naturally knowing everything, how to parent. So there's no shame in in asking for help in knowing that you might need help and support. And I'm specifically, we're specifically very pleased to support you and help you and make that easier in your life. Picky eating can be really stressful. Um, it can become like the center of it, like the whole family, bringing a lot of tension and it doesn't have to be this way. So I think asking for help. And if that means saying I have a picky eater, you're welcome to reach out and, you know, ask for help. And then eventually we'll help you see that really everyone is just learning. It's a learning eater and a leader as the parent. Thank you so much. That's really, that's, I like how you kind of phrase it for every, like learning how to eat. There's somebody kind of learning how to feed their children because it's so true, right? Parenting does not come with a handbook. No. (laughs) There's so many times I wish it did. Absolutely. But that's a really good way of kind of looking at it. It's not just about the child, but it's also, you know, it's, it's everyone. It's kind of working together as a family. Yeah. And like parents don't want to compare children and we definitely don't encourage them to compare them. But, you know, you will parent differently, your kids. And and one kid can be a super adventurous eater and you have like, you thought, wow, this is easy. And then the second one comes and he's perhaps more shy or, you know, timid and that will impact the eating. And then suddenly you're like, wow, all my strategies are not working with this child. And that's okay. That happens, right? So no shame. And it doesn't mean that you're a bad parent. Usually parents... In my experience, I've never seen a parent who's not caring, not trying. Usually with picky eater, they're trying really hard. So it's just a matter of redirecting their efforts so that they see results and and it's less stressful for everyone. It's so true. And I actually like that. I like that kind of we parent differently to different children because we do. I mean, if I hear my son Mateo yell the words, I'm Batman, I go running to wherever he is because he's about to jump off some furniture and injure himself. But if I hear Marino doing it, I know he's not actually <laughs> exactly <laughs> jumping. 
jumping off any furniture. So why wouldn't feeding be any different? So that that makes sense. I do have a question though, uh, just so that we can put some clarity around different challenges related to feeding. So what would be the difference to any any parents listening out there between what is commonly referred to as picky eating and a food aversion? And at any point should parents be, or I guess when should parents be concerned and who could they seek for advice? I think picky eating is a really broad term. Like parents will use it, you know, when child don't want to eat at the table or when they don't want to eat specific food or food groups or when they used to eat really well of everything without a fuss and now they're like much more selective. So I think, you know, in terms of like what we use, pick eating is a broad term. Food aversion would be like, you know, a specific food serve on your plate that you cannot even think about looking at, tasting, eating. So that maybe is more specific, but pick eating sometimes, you know, children don't want to even come and sit at the table or that's like the the struggle. So it's not even yet at the step of like the food itself. It's just we cannot even sit together or ask our child to calmly approach food. When to seek help, Uh, the sooner the better. I say that with like, you know, a lot of love and care for parents because I see a lot of them reaching out to us. And this struggle of peak eating has been going on for years. And like when you think how much like food (laughs) efforts and meals have been like going on, Years of like struggling with picky eating is just, it's too much for parents. I don't wish that for anyone. So like in that sense, I'm like, as soon as you're concerned, as soon as something has changed, reach out. Even if it's just, you know, to be reassured that it's normal, that'd be like what you need at that time. Go ask for that help. Obviously bring that to your family physician, family health team as your kind of first step. If you're concerned, I always say parents are the experts of their families. If they are concerned, I'm concerned. The thing is, I also hear sadly that a lot of parents are being told that it's a phase that kids are going to outgrow it. And yeah, it's not. <laughs> I think I think at least what we've seen with um, different types of clients we've had is that, um, you know, we've had children as young as two years old where parents are implementing some strategies early on to be more preventative. And, you know, we often have parents with children who are pushing six, seven, eight years old and and even older than that. And, and it's been a struggle for many years. And so. Even anecdotally, it's a good example that you don't necessarily just grow out of that yeah. phase. If anything, it's an important time window when you're setting these kind of, you know, not to not to overwhelm anyone, but it, these a lot of these kind of um, strategies lead to like lifelong food related skills and values and things like that. So I don't necessarily see a reason to wait. Yeah. Maybe the sooner the better if you're able to. Okay, so what are some common concerns that parents have when they think that their child is a picky eater? And maybe what are some of your go-to things you tell parents when they ask for advice? So obviously we're researchers, so we tackle or (laughs) we approach our business like a research project. So we did um, look at the data on that. But obviously parents kind of come to us because kids have started to refuse to eat some specific foods that they used to love or, you know, mealtime or tense. And then when we kind of like categorize, so to speak, their concerns, parents are really worried that kids will not get all the nutrients they need to grow well. They are worried that their, you know, accepted food, the food that they love to eat, will keep on shrinking so that the list becomes, you know, two, three, four, five items. And obviously that's very difficult. And then Underlying, there's also this concern that kids will grow with not so much of a positive relationship with food and that concerns parents. They come to us and they voice these concerns. But also what we've observed is that parents are really, really stressed. They are worried. 
They want to see their kids eat and they feel like a bad parents when their kids refuse to eat, specifically the food that they put a lot of efforts in cooking, preparing. So that's one thing. Yeah. And I guess it can feel in a way isolating because even in families that are with two parents or even single parent families, it can often feel like, you know, us against the world. And in two parent families, parents are often not on the same page themselves or even say in single parent homes where it's there's other care providers involved or things like daycare or uh, school. It just amplifies the problem and the challenges that they're facing. And I mean, I think a lot of parents come in and they describe their worries most of the time or often anyway, um, focus on the child as, as Moto was saying. But when we're able to take a step back and kind of assess the bigger picture, it's there's a lot of parental pain points, as we call them as well, that need to be addressed. And so that's definitely a big factor in, in the type of strategies that we kind of have uh, developed anyway. Yeah. And like I love to say, and I think that's empowering for parents to hear that the problem seems to be the child. And I say that, you know, again, with a lot of care and love because no kids is a problem, but that's what we hear from parents. But really the solutions is within the parents kind of like power. So we work with them usually first, like Sartak said, to kind of agree with their partners and other caregivers in their life, people who are important in their children's life. What are the food values? What are like your views on feeding your children? What are your parenting kind of approaches so that they can find a common ground so that everyone feel heard and fulfilled? And then from there, we kind of establish a structure because parents always, always want to know, like, what are kid friendly recipes (laughs) or food play ideas that will solve my problem? And sadly, like if you don't have a structure and a schedule and clear views, it's a lot of efforts to cook kid-friendly recipes just to see your child again refusing it and then you feel even worse because well that's supposed to be a tested kid-friendly recipe and it's not working so I always kind of take a step back we kind of work on the foundation first you know schedule rule and expectation at the meal time and then eventually when that's kind of implemented we can move on to the food aspect yeah and I think a lot of times with that um, focus being on the food and at the moments at the table when it's a challenge. So, of course, we love to provide a lot of practical at the table tips yeah. because that's kind of it can feel like a battleground when you have like seven, eight food occasions in a day and you're struggling through most of them. You know, I find it remarkable the amount of effort parents put. Yeah. And and really often when I, I look at the different cases of parents we have, I just think like, Oh, you know, let's make your life easier because um, and, and often it's kind of that classic, like it's going to get a little hard before it's going to get better because you will have to address the structure, the foundation, your values. And if I just add my own like thought, it's, it's it was that very thing of looking at my own food values and, and you know, wh- how I might influence my son's eating that really got me interested in working in this area because I realized what a critical time window this is for children to to be influenced and, and kind of molded. And it's amazing, but it's also a bit scary. <laughs> it can be scary. So um, it's definitely a, a wonderful um, area to be working with parents. That's a really great perspective and some good tips um, and thoughts around that area. Now, I'm given this pandemic situation, I feel like we need to kind of just touch on that a little bit. And I'm wondering, maybe with your own family or with clients or, or you know, with colleagues, how, how do you feel, or if at all, has the pandemic affected how parents feed their children or or how you guys feed your children or in general? Yeah, I think, you know, the silver lining of the pandemic for some parents, and again, not everyone, but 
what I've heard is that there are occasions to eat as a family much more frequently than before. I'm thinking, you know, parents who used to commute that are now working from home and can take part in breakfast or, you know, dinner time. And I think that brings a lot of positives around the pandemic. But also, I think it's stressful. It's stressful for everyone. And and being with the kids, you know, if you don't commute and you're working from home and you're with the kids all the time, that also brings some tension. And kids also will, you know, sometimes be a bit more picky if they are stressed and pandemic life is stressful and they just don't have necessarily, you know, the words and the skills to voice their feelings. So they can just start acting up at the table and then it makes it even harder. So I think there's that different like stress level that's higher. So that's a bit challenging. Obviously, I think screen screen time time has increased and sometimes that's used to kind of like, you know, be the band-aid situation on like that difficult meal time, which I, I can totally relate because it's hard, right? It's really hard and it's often that you feed your kids. So if that provides, you know, 10 minutes of peace, yeah, you're going to put that screen on. So I think that's what we're dealing with. And I like to tell parents, you know, that's okay. Like that's a situation we're in right now. We do our best and it's not going to be forever. So be kind to ourselves, lower the expectations and, Mm -hmm. and kind of go back to what's really important and small steps. In terms of our family. Yeah, in terms of our family, it's been, I would say we would align on the fact that we definitely had more occasions to eat together, um, more opportunity to cook as a family, um, more opportunity to get our son involved in the kitchen and um, teaching him some food literacy type of skills. And that's been rewarding, obviously not without its challenges, but the fact that you have the opportunity, I, I would say that historically I fell into that category of commuting you know, highly demanding job. So sometimes even just having the opportunity is nice. One area that I would personally say is has been interesting, and, and we, I reflect back on some of the clients as well, is that when we think about that foundation, we talk about if it's not strong, the weaknesses tend to be magnified during the pandemic when you're all together all the time. Yeah. If you're not necessarily on the same page, if your food values, um, parenting strategies, things like that don't necessarily align you know, because there was certainly a time for us anyway, where we were kind of just working in shifts. And so really, it was up to you kind of individually as a parent to kind of lead the charge, like whether it was meal prep, snack schedule, sticking to the rules that have been agreed on, all of those things. And so if, again, if, if the foundation's weak, it gets stressful for our parents. But for us personally, it's, it's been okay, not not without its challenges again. But, you know, now that we're what, maybe seven, eight months into this, it's it's certainly gotten easier um, with childcare resuming as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, the summer wasn't wasn't the best, but you know we survived. As we said, lowering your expectations. Yeah. So at the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of folks were experimenting with new recipes. Um, did you guys participate in any new food challenges? And you mentioned getting James involved in the kitchen. Was he involved in any of these experiments? <laughs> so that's our tax wheelhouse. <laughs> yeah, I, I love even just in normally I love trying new recipes, tweaking existing ones, optimizing. Um, it's probably from my experience being in the lab a lot. Um, it's it's um, so you know what I know, like, for example, the sourdough craze was was huge, especially when things like you couldn't get yeast or, or even flour was difficult at times. But I'm more of a sandwich loaf kind of guy. And I've always been working on my recipe and optimizing it. You were ready for the pandemic before your time. <laughs> I was, yeah. And and um, I, I got um, a baking steel plate for our oven. And so I was experimenting with new pizza recipes. And so James was helping me all throughout. He helps me do all the steps. 
um, whether it's baking bread or things like pizza. Um, and the other thing that I love experimenting with is instant pot recipes because I bought one last year and it's part of, it helps with our food prep as well. Um, meal planning for the week, things like that. And there's a lot you can do with it. So yeah, we've been definitely, I've been experimenting a lot with recipes, um, during the pandemic. It's been fun. That's great. I did not hop on the sourdough bandwagon, but I did. I, 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 I do enjoy having a little bit more of an opportunity, a bit more time to cook and allowing the children to kind of join me in the kitchen. I like that you said it's not without its challenges. It definitely isn't without its challenges, is it? Like, it's a bit yeah. more mess. <laughs> you have to be in the right mindset, I think. And, um, you know, yeah. you have to prep your ingredients and it's, it's almost like you have to be pretty disciplined, but I think the, the effort, uh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm too methodical or, or anal about <laughs> those kind of things, but I think, you know, you gotta, you gotta set yourself up for a successful, um, opportunity in the kitchen because, you know, um, it, these are like early exposures for James. So I don't want him to see me stressed out or like, um, you know, getting flustered. And, and sometimes to be honest, there's been days where I just kind of cut it short if it's not going well. And, you know, we'll say, we'll pick it up another time. For sure. See, I brought it outside. I did all the gardening <laughs> and everything that can be messy and then you can hose them down and that's the end of it. Maybe that's the, the real yeah, trick there. That's true. Maybe that's the trick. Do the cooking outside so you can hose your children down. <laughs> That's funny. So I, I wanted to talk a bit about misinformation because being in the nutrition field as well, I, I know that there is a, an abundance of misinformation out there. There's a lot of great information, but there's also an abundance and it can be difficult to navigate. So I'm wondering, you know, what, what are some of your go-to places or resources uh, that you recommend to parents for some reputable information? I think... Um... There's a lot of noise out there, as I like to say, nutrition noise. And I know this, especially having worked in the the diet industry and and be having being so versed in diet culture. And there's a lot of misinformation. I think personally, my my recommendation is is you know you got it would be really worth talking to a registered dietitian, if nothing else, just to get pointed in the right direction based on your kind of unique needs. Because I think if you start the rabbit hole of of going on Google or Facebook groups or, and there's, and I'm not criticizing anyone or anything. I just mean that if you're really trying to look for specific information that's going to help you, um, that's, you know, backed by evidence. Yeah. I think it's really helpful to contact a registered dietitian. And the great thing is that you can easily find them through, say, like the Dietitians of Canada database or um, even just by Googling them in your area. And, and because there's a lot of great practitioners out there, you know, you can fall back on high training standards, good ethics. You're not going to be trying to sold something you don't want because that's often a problem in yeah. in the nutrition area. Someone's always trying to get their hand in your pocket and and kind of sell you some something that you don't need. And so that's my personally my go-to tip. And I also I really appreciate how there's a lot more dietitians specifically like on Instagram or social media that are trying to reach to parents and kind of welcome them you know, answering questions, redirecting them when they need specific help. And I think what's really particular for parents is that there's so much guilt and shame and you don't need that in life, but specifically not when you're parenting. So, you know, we hear that again from parents when it's like, well, I feel like I'm the only one having like a picky eater. And I'm like, I can tell you you're not because my whole practice is only on helping parents of picky eaters. But I feel like, you know, it can become really like that type of feeling around Facebook groups or any kind of like social support network. So, again, like just being like your best friend. And if something doesn't make you feel good as a parent, 
disconnect, unfollow, you know, you don't need that in your life. So, I mean, that's, that's just another kind of side tip that there's a lot of good out there, but if there's stuff that doesn't make you feel good, just you have the right to unfollow everyone. Like no pressure that you don't owe them anything. Speaking of Instagram, if parents are listening and they would like to follow you too, um, where can they find you on Instagram? And is there anywhere else that you're available to be followed online? Uh, yeah, so our Instagram handle is picky.eating.kids. That's where we pretty much hang out and uh, connect with other parents and share our strategies and tips and things like that. So everyone's welcome to join us uh, and follow along and, and contact us if they have any questions or even just to say hello. Yeah. Um, it's always nice to connect with other parents. And if they would like more information about our background or anything like that, about the services we offer or, you know, just anything related, they can go to our website, familyandconutrition.com. Okay, well, I follow you both on Instagram, so I can definitely recommend following Moda and Sarthak. They provide great tips uh, for families. So thank you both for joining us on the podcast today. It was nice to chat, and I think the listeners will really appreciate what you both had to say about picky eating. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. 